Hello, everyone, and welcome to Season 2, Episode 6 of What's in the Pod, hosted by me, Ben Grabia. On today's episode, I'm joined by Josh Mullaney to discuss the 2017 movie Thor Ragnarok. What a, what a weird movie. I mean, like, no one ever talks about this movie when they, you know, bring up Marvel and the Marvel great movies because Thor's first two movies were so bad. So Thor Ragnarok came onto the scene and exploded, um, exploded Chris Hemsworth's career. We talked about that. We talked about what a great, fun movie this is, but also talked about how this movie ranks in just the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So I hope you enjoy it. Let's get into the pod. Cue the music. All right, I'm joined by Josh Mullaney, and we're doing Thor Ragnarok. Josh, welcome to the pod. Hey, thanks a lot, man. I'm a big fan. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. No problem. This is actually for the listeners. This is the first time we're ever having a conversation in our lives. Um, we're just talking about a good movie, so let's see how it goes. And I know, Josh, like you have your own podcast. Why don't you just briefly tell us, the listeners, what what's that all about? Yeah, so I started the League of Josh podcast a few years ago, and my goal is just to learn from people and have interesting discussions where I'm able to explore the outskirts of my personal thought and have people on that are relative experts in their domains and can teach me about what they know. And I can also teach myself a little bit about what I'm thinking. That's cool. That's cool. Do you like talk about movies ever on it or is this the first time you really having like a big movie conversation? I had one of the most recent episodes that I let out was we talked about movies. The, it was a guy, my friend Kazan Kote, and he had just finished working on the new Ghostbusters film, Ghostbusters Afterlife. Cool. So he was on the production team for that. So we talked a little bit about that. We we're originally going to talk about rapping because he's a rapper. Mm-hmm. And we ended up just talking about movies. My friend Randy and I, we used to watch a movie every few days in university when mm-hmm. I wasn't playing volleyball. And it would take us about six hours to watch a two hour film because we would watch a little bit and then pause it and make some tea and just talk about it for a while. Talk about the themes, talk about the tropes, everything that was going on in the film, where we thought it was going, what we thought about the director, what the director was doing, what, how the writing was. And then we would go and watch a little bit more and then we would stop it. So we would start a movie at eight o'clock at night and we'd be watching until two in the morning. So I, I love film. I love writing. I love the arts. I think it's so much fun. And just an incredible way to experience both culture and seeing a glimpse into the human soul by watching something that is indirectly, it's more um, implicit than explicit. For example, mm-hmm. I watched uh, Spirited Away last night. Yeah. And my mind was just blown by how well they nailed the consuming mother archetype. Yeah. So yeah, like, yeah I, I love film. I, I love talking about it, but I haven't had the opportunity to very much on my podcast. That's it's interesting because we're doing Thor Ragnarok, which at the surface of the movie is very just like light and it's like a popcorn movie and it's like, it's a Marvel movie. And it's like, it's brought up this, it's, it's about this bigger picture, but mm-hmm. when you dig down into this movie and I'm watching it a couple of times to get ready for the pod, I'm thinking like, wow, this movie is actually like, there's something to be said about this movie. If you really think about it and especially I think it's really important on Chris Hemsworth's career and what I think of him as an actor now, because before that I was kind of like, 
don't know. He's just Thor. He can't really do anything else. Like, and like, I always just thought he was Thor and I was like, he's just whatever. And like, he'll never do anything else. But I think now he has a career. And I think if you go back to Thor Ragnarok and that could change his whole career, in my opinion, but we can get into that later. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. Um, so I'll give my basic background of the movie. Then we'll go top five section and we'll just get going. Killer. Thor Ragnarok was released on, on November 3rd, 2017. It follows Thor, who's in prison on the planet Sakaar, and then Thor must race against time to return to Asgard in order to stop his sister Hela. Written by Eric Pearson, Craig Kyle, and Chris Yost. Directed by Taki Watiti. Starring Chris Hemsworth, Mark Ruffalo, Kate Blanchett, Idris Elba, Jeff Goldblum, and Tessa Thompson. It had a $180 million budget and made $854 million at the box office. Thank you, Marvel. Um, so let's go to the top five section. So I thought we would do movies that were better than the original. So a sequel or, or even a third movie. I actually have a third movie in here that I think is better than the sequel. Or sorry, okay, the original. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And excluding Thor, because I think Thor Ragnarok is like so much better than the first two Thors. Like I don't even watch those anymore. So yeah. I think it was an interesting topic. So um, we'll go back and forth, five, five, all the way up to one. Um, mm-hmm. You lead us off with your fifth. Oh, my fifth. I, I haven't put them in order. I think that they're, they they even supersede order. Actually, I might have my number one just because it's my favorite movie series of all time, movie trilogy of all time. So I might save that for number one. Okay. The first, first one, one I'll go at. with is, yeah, I, I'd go Empire. I think Empire mm-hmm. was such a revolutionary step, especially in terms of the villain. And I'm sure that we'll get into more of the Marvel Universe as we go on in the discussion. But the idea of a villain being fundamentally flawed and having their own redemption arc starts off in empire with vader being luke's father and Mm -hmm. that pull back and forth between them so i know that it's happened before and it's been a part of pop culture before empire but i think empire just hit it to a whole new level where you can actually feel something between the villain and the hero that isn't just something malicious between the two of them there's some kind of love some kind of connection between them that grows the story into something that's not just good versus evil but it's more relative and i think that marvel did a great job with thanos Mm -hmm. and i think all of that is piggybacking off of what happened before empire and then i think empire really takes it to a whole new level I, I wish it's it's fun for like i go so i go to see the marvel movies with my dad a lot like he's always there with me and his reaction to like Thanos snapping his finger for me and for everyone else in the theater that was like is our age younger or even like a little bit older than us was like, holy shit, that was incredible. But then my dad was kind of like, I don't know, I've seen that already. Like Darth Vader like that. Like I've seen that plot twist already. It's kind of like, I guess so, man. Like I, I can't really disagree with you because that was so crazy probably to be there. And you're like, when he says, I'm your father, you're just like, what? So yeah, that's a good one. Um, my number five is really off the radar. Like it's really because I actually really like this movie a lot. Might get some hate from people, but I think the second Hunger Games movie, Catching Fire, is so much better than the original one. And it's a it's a really good movie on its own. Um, Catching Fire. I don't know what you think about that movie, but like I know some people might, uh, my friends might get on me about that one. But I love that movie. I just watched it a few weeks ago, actually. I really? was at a, I was at a friend's house and they were watching it and so I just kind of sat down and it was like one of those things that's on in the background and enough people congregate to the same central area that everyone just sits down and we're all just watching this movie and 
it was kind of a pool party and we all just end up inside watching hunger games that are catching fire and i i agree that it was far better than the first i mm-hmm. loved the concept and would love for there to be i, I just love i like read i read the books when i was younger so mm-hmm. i loved the idea of the games that was my favorite part was yeah what's going on in the game i want to see more of that i want to see more of the games and the fact that it was the quarter quell and there's all of this crazy technology going on yeah. and they've changed it all up and it's very different. I just think it's, it, that was a ton of fun. Yeah. I, I agree with that. That pick. Well, like, like the arena is just incredible in the second movie, yeah. the first movie, it's kind of like, it's cool. But then the second movie is so much better with like the clock thing. And then you get Finnick O'Dare, his character, which I can't remember Sam Claffin, Claffin or whatever that actor he's in. And he's just like ridiculously handsome. And just like, you just want to cheer for this guy. And it, yeah, that movie's awesome. And, uh, I'm not, uh, I'm not sorry. I picked that. So <laughs> yeah. And the map is a character too, right? Like in the yeah. first one, it's not, it's not necessarily this big thing. It's just a place where they are, but it's not something mm-hmm. that's integrated into the entire film in the writing, yeah. in the characters. It's something that you're rooting for and rooting against at the same mm-hmm. time. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's a lot of fun. Uh, okay. You go number four. Okay. I'm going to go with my, the one that I said that I would leave for number one because I'm still trying to think of my next three. The Two Towers, Lord of the Rings, was mm. optimal storytelling. I, I loved it. I was trying to decide between that and Return of the King because I just love all of them so much. Yeah. But I think the Return of the King might have lingered a little bit towards the end. They had a lot of endings, mm-hmm. even though I would have preferred for the book ending where Sam, Mary, Pippin, and Frodo all go back to the Shire and they meet Saruman and Grima and mm-hmm. they've taken over the shower, the Shire with the wild men. And then they end up rallying all the hobbits and they have their own little war without the men, without the elves, without the dwarves, all of that stuff. They prove their own. They come into their own as leaders of their own people. I thought that was a lot of fun, but yeah, I think that the, the extended edition of the return of the King, I only believe in the extended editions. Now <laughs> that's the only ones that exist to me, <laughs> but the Return of the King, I think, lingered a little bit, even though I wish it would have been longer, funny enough. <laughs> but I just loved the the Two Towers. That was coming out while I was a kid, and I used to stay home sick. I would fake sick, like, at least once or four times a year mm-hmm. and watch the entire extended edition in a day. <laughs> How long is the extended version? About 15 hours. 15 hours, holy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would like... pause it all the time just to yeah. get, get posters. That was my mm-hmm. idea. I'd like pause it in really cool scenes and that's a poster. I want that. Yeah. <laughs> the thing, it's actually funny you bring that up because like, I'm not the biggest fan of those movies. I, I have my own thoughts about those movies, but like, I feel like that would be a podcast on its own and that would probably take a long time to get into it, especially with someone. I feel like I'm always on the, on the other side of those movies. I feel like I don't like them where most people are like you who are just obsessed with them and stuff. So I think that'd be a really good conversation to have like another mm-hmm. day, but anyways, totally agree. Um, my fourth one is, uh, Captain America winter soldier. So that's the second Captain America. And I think it's the best MCU movie. And I have my own thoughts why and stuff. I think it's the best standalone movie in the whole universe. Like you take this movie out of the universe and it's just its own movie. How does it stack up? And it's the best. It has, um, I want to do a pod on winter soldier. So I kind of want to save my thoughts for that one day. So, but that's, that's my, that's my fourth pick. Very fair. That's a very good one. I like yeah. that film a lot. I agree that it's a very good standalone. Yeah. And it's just classic old human superheroes 
going at yeah, it. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, you're number three. I'm going to go with Kill Bill Volume 2. Yes. That's a way better a, movie, I think, than the first one. I'm a big Tarantino fan, and mm-hmm. he builds such a good foundation in the first film that the second film, he allows himself to just jump right into it. Yeah. And the dialogues, just the writing. Tarantino's writing is always just so smooth and so tight. And mm-hmm. I think that was a, and obviously Tarantino violence is yeah. pretty, pretty close up to, there to the best that you can get in terms of choreography. And mm-hmm. I loved it. Yeah. Tarantino has like his own, it's like you, I don't never met someone that's kind of like, yeah, he's okay. Like, I, I don't mind him. It's either like, oh, I love him or like, no, it's just not for me. There's no one yeah. that's kind of like, yeah, he's all right. So yeah. um, that's why like Kill Bill, either I think you really love those movies or, or you can appreciate them or it's just it's just not for you. Mm-hmm. Um, so my number three is, it's probably the best sequel, but it's just, I have the two ahead of them or just, I think, or I like them personally more as a movie and stuff. So, but I had the Dark Knight. Um, I don't know what to say about the Dark Knight that already hasn't been said on my podcast like a hundred times by people who come on and we talk about it all the time. So um, I love that movie. Like Heath Ledger, like it's just incredible. That movie. I don't know what else to say, but it's just, I think it kind of speaks for itself. That movie is incredible and it's just a lot better than the first one. Yeah, totally yeah. agree. Dark yeah. Knight is. I mean, the fa- yeah, Ledger in that was just perfect. Ledger yeah. in that was great. Bale was great. The writing's airtight. Yeah, I wish they would have been able to finish it off really strong with uh, mm-hmm. the, what third was the third one. one? Yeah, uh, uh, Dark Knight Rises. Know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you're number two. You know, coming in, I was thinking Endgame because I think that Endgame might be considered a sequel to Infinity War. I think that's a like those two are would considered side by side but i don't know infinity war was just so good and i i feel like even you could make it a tragedy i think that would actually i was thinking a lot about how well thor as the final movie take captain marvel out of it but thor the final movie before endgame was the mm-hmm. perfect lead-in yeah because thor ragnarok is just a tragedy the entire time yeah. just thor losing and losing and losing and losing mm-hmm. and then endgame just t- picks up right where thor literally <laughs> picks up right where it left off and <laughs> continues that so i would say endgame but i'm i'm very conflicted because i think that infinity war actually would have been a good way to end that that chapter of marvel yeah just saying we're not going to bring everyone back we're not going to that, that, that's it thanos wins and now we're going to rebuild from this i think that would have been so compelling yeah so do you think endgame do you like the movie better than infinity war because i do and i feel like i'm always in the minority about it i think it gave me more chills Mm -hmm. i think there were more scenes where i was it gave me goosebumps i was all giddy about it Uh i think that i think that as a as a film standalone i think infinity war might have been better but I, I would yeah. be I would be prepared to watch those both again and reconsider my position. Yeah. Yeah. Again, talked about so much about those movies. So like, but I, I agree that yeah. I think Endgame is just a little bit better than Infinity War. And Infinity War is like great. Like, don't get me wrong. But mm-hmm. um, so our number two, 
is a the third movie in a four part and like a four movie, I guess, series. Um, it's Toy Story three. So Toy Story for me was this huge thing growing up. This phenomenon of these movies that I thoroughly enjoy as a kid, and they're really good for kids. And then when you, I don't know when's the last time you've ever like revisited Toy Stories, but if you ever want to revisit Toy Story as an adult, you have a whole different. That's the movie's completely different as an adult. You really mm-hmm. learn about friendship like with Woody and Buzz and it's really weird that they're showing you how to have two friendships or sorry two people have a friendship through toys and stuff like it's 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 like this crazy thing but so Toy Story 3 like when I was 12 I saw it in the theaters and I like bawled my eyes out like when they when like Andy like leaves uh Woody and Buzz for the little girl there and anything but Toy Story 3 for me is like one of my favorite movies ever and it's probably my favorite Disney Pixar like franchises are the Toy Stories, the ones mm-hmm. I've watched the most. So yeah, that's my number two. Well, it's it's so funny looking back at all of those old great animated films and especially old school Disney. Mm-hmm. You look back and think, well, why do kids like these? Why do adults like these? And looking back, it just absolutely smashes you. Wow, this is so complex. This mm-hmm. is so much deeper than you think it would be as a child. And I guess yeah. because you wouldn't really think as a child, kind of similar to Thor, where if you really dive into it, there are all of these small parts of the film in terms of the storytelling and how the hero's portrayed and how he rebounds from losses and watching old Disney, a lot of old Pixar stuff too. Pixar's great. And you can watch those back and go, wow, I, I'm starting to understand why people enjoy this. It's yeah. not as if the it's not as if art was formed mutually exclusive of the human psyche and then the human psyche gravitated towards it. It was yeah. built to latch on to the human psyche. So it's actually mm-hmm. built around our minds rather than built on its own. And then our mind grabs onto it. Yeah. Like, oh, Toy Story. Like, I, I want to do a pod on the Toy Story so bad because they're so like, they're airtight movies too. Like an hour and a half. And yeah. you're just like, what did that just happen? Like, it's like you can, the story, the writing is incredible in those movies. So anyways, uh, you're number one. Raiders. Yeah. Yeah, Raiders of the Lost Ark. I thought, I thought about that one. Yeah, well, I, I hadn't thought about it until you said that yours was the fourth in a series. I thought you were going to say Raiders. Mm-hmm. Going, wow, that's a really good one. That's a really, <laughs> really, really good one. I really enjoyed the, the themes and the messages, and a lot of it was in the same vein as ethical and moralic, or the the morality and the ethical teachings from Christianity. They they tie those so well. Mm-hmm. into the movie itself and into yeah. the storytelling that mm-hmm. with the the idea of the leap of faith and when the holy grail is the, this little dinky cup in the middle that's surrounded by all of these beautiful mugs and yeah over time ford or not ford but indy not not harrison it's uh yeah. it's hard to not see harrison ford as harrison ford in anything that he plays but yeah the the journey of harrison ford into someone that is very skeptical of anything outside of himself and uh, objective reality into someone who has some type of faith yeah i think i think that's all very fun yeah i agree with that one so my number one was like was empire strikes back which we talked about earlier but i think it's like the greatest sequel ever with all the, and it's like i don't know what you, your thoughts on new hope but now that you rewatch new hope it's like so boring compared to every other one yeah. In my in my opinion, it's just like, all right, let's just get going. I just want to watch the second one already. So 
Um, there, there's this really awesome series by a guy that goes back and rewrites in air quotes the mm-hmm. prequel trilogy to fit in better with the original trilogy. Okay. And there are a few things that he does that I really loved. And one of the main concepts that he played with was to pretend that the original trilogy never happened. So you're actually working into it and you still want that to be a twist. Yeah. So instead of seeing Anakin become Darth Vader, seeing Padme give birth to twins, mm-hmm. you don't see any of that. And you actually assume that Obi-Wan killed Anakin. Mm-hmm. And you're assuming that Padme only had one child. Yeah. And I think that that's one of the fatal faults of the prequel or the yeah the prequel trilogy mm-hmm. is that they give that away. Yeah. So it diminishes the rewatch value of the OT. Yeah. And like, there's so many fatal flaws of those prequels, but like, yeah, that's a good, that's a good point. Um, but let's get into Thor again, I guess. So I'm assuming you like, you kept up with Marvel and you kind of watched as it, as it went along, like go to the theaters and stuff as like we all kind of do. So yeah. what was your very first impression of Thor Ragnarok? If you can recall, like coming out of the theater, like what, what were your th- first thoughts? It was, it was reinvigorating to Thor in itself. I really like the, I really like that that mythology series, like old Viking mythology. I think it's so cool. The Yggdrasil tree of life. So the fact that they were able to tie all of that in with Serta and Valhalla and Ragnarok, and I was a big fan of that. And I think that it just rejuvenated the franchise of Thor in itself, as you were saying earlier with mm-hmm. Hemsworth, where he was just kind of this guy before there was in the MCU and he was Thor. But I think Ragnarok broadened his acting spectrum quite a bit and yeah i think that he was always capable of it but i think that it gave him a lot more room to play with it and he's a funny guy and i think that having taiko itt as the director for that film just gave him so much more room to be himself yeah like i always thought like the first thor and then the dark world he just took himself i thought hemsworth himself took himself way too seriously i thought he thought that he was this shakespearean god actor or something and i'm like dude you're in and like that's the best part about downey jr and stuff that he's just like i'm just stark i'm just gonna like kind of make fun of everything almost sort of thing and yeah there's some serious moments in the mcu throughout and like there's some really good um acting stuff going on but at the core of the mcu it's just fun it's like there's nothing more you're not winning academy awards in your performance of thor ragnarok man so just like have some fun with it and now that was the best part and i think it took with TT to get it out of him because I don't mm-hmm. think he would have done that. And same with, and actually too, same with, I remember coming out of the movie and being like, Oh, they finally made Hulk a like redeem, like a character who can actually portray emotions as Hulk instead of just, he cause he couldn't never talk. Yeah. Like that's why the first Hulk with Edward Norton is so brutal because Thor can't talk when he's at, or sorry, not Thor Hulk can't talk when he's actually Hulk. Mm-hmm. So and then anyways, but yeah, so I remember just coming out of it being like, okay, I like Thor a lot more now. Thor still is like, I love Stark and Cap just like way better as characters. And I think, I think a lot of people do, but Thor gave himself a case to like have one of the better movies in the MCU. And I know you like really, really appreciate this movie more than a lot of people. So, yeah. I definitely agree with the Hulk point. I think that that was a cool added layer of complexity that they made to the movie was having that planet that they were on have a accelerated time speed. So yeah. 
I'm not sure if they ever actually talked about what the specific time field was, mm -hmm. as in what the ratio was to the regular universe to their world. But I think that it was two years from when Hulk disappears to when he reappears on this planet. And there was a, I think it was two weeks or something. Loki said that he was gone for two weeks or he was there for two weeks when Thor had been there for a day. So yeah, times 14, something like that. Mm -hmm. So Hulk has been there for 28 years. Yeah, And I think that you're right that it actually gives Hulk so much room to grow and we don't have to see that growth, but we mm -hmm. see the end result of his growth. And he's now a character in himself rather than, as you said, having Bruce Banner and then this monster that comes out, we're actually getting to see both Jekyll and Hyde yep. playing equal parts. Yeah. And like, I always saw it like, so Ruffalo is like an actual, I think he's a better actor than Hemsworth. He's in just better stuff. And he has a couple Academy Awards and stuff, but, and Ruffalo, I always felt that they kind of, I don't know. They were just kind of like, okay, you're, you're an amazing actor, but we're going to have, we have to take that away from you because it's not about you really. But I think this movie, he, it's, it's Thor's movie. This movie is definitely about Thor. I'm not trying to say that, you know, he steals the show, but there's some scenes where he's just amazing. And, and he's like, okay, I, I remember Mark Ruffalo as an actor now. <laughs> mm -hmm. Have you seen, it's an HBO original. It's only about six or seven episodes long, but it's Mark Ruffalo and he plays himself as the character and then his twin with schizophrenia. Oh, no, and I've never seen it. I'll send you what it's called after this because I don't want to spend too much time thinking about it. Mm -hmm. Maybe if I remember it, I'll let you know. But his acting in that is just unbelievable. And he's going back and forth as a kind of deadbeat college dropout who's unbelievably intelligent but is now working end-to-end -end job and also taking care of his schizophrenic brother. And he plays both of them because they're twins. Yeah. And like you said, the dude's just an unbelievable actor. And I think you make a good point about how much of a role he plays in Thor, whereas it's not his movie, mm -hmm. but at the same time, the greatest movies and the greatest performances out of main actors, I think are tend to be surrounded by great co-stars. Yeah. It's almost, I almost enjoy it more to see an Academy Award for a co-star than for a star yeah. because they're not given as much pressure or as much time to shine, but in that time that they do have, they're just sublime. Yeah. So like, how do you think this movie as an, as like we get further into the MCU as we go on and which I, it, it seems to be the MCU will just be able to go on forever if they want to mm -hmm. just endless, endless storylines and stuff. How do you think we will look back at Thor Ragnarok and I don't know, maybe 20 years and think about how it changed the MCU and maybe changed Thor. Definitely changed Thor, definitely changed MCU in terms of the emotion that they're able to elicit. I think that they took a risk by having more of a comedy. They hadn't done that up to that point. They took themselves quite seriously, besides Downey Jr. being a snarky, self-confident Stark, which is just a part of the character, but they yeah. hadn't had an actual... Aside from Guardians, I think. Yeah, they hadn't played with it that much, though. You know, they, yeah. they hadn't really dove into it, and I think YTT's perfect for that i think that there were a few times where the comedy hurt it a little bit because i was thinking okay i was thinking about this earlier i've been thinking about this for a few days now the idea of scientific versus philosophical history and 
the only reason that I tie this into Thor is I think that scientific history is you can look back on say the the Crusades or the Mongols and because they're so far away you're able to not rationalize the millions of lives that were lost but you're able to look at them and go okay this is what they were going for we we kind of understand you're able to look at it more objectively and then philosophical history is much more of a emotional feeling towards the past and tying this into Thor YTT directed a movie called Jojo Rabbit I'm not sure if you've seen that yeah but I thought that he did a great job at combining those two where the Holocaust and World War II Nazi Germany I'm reading the rise and fall of the Third Reich by William Schreier right now and Mm -hmm. YTT was able to bring humor into this unbelievably bleak and disastrous world yeah. and by doing that you're you're actually able to look at it more as scientific history rather than philosophical history because mm-hmm. you can always look back at world war ii and go yeah of course adolf hitler was a monster and everything mm-hmm. that they did in nazi germany not not everything but the the core that they had going on was pure evil and it was absolutely malevolent and then ytt comes in as a i think he's a hasidic jew he's definitely jewish but he mm-hmm comes in and plays Adolf Hitler in this movie and it's a comedy. Yeah. And so I think that he's unbelievably gifted at making light of things. And I think that that has the potential to really bring out the best in the movie. Like he did with Jojo Rabbit. I really liked what he did with that. And at the same time, I think in Thor, I would have loved for there to be a few more scenes where they just let a joke hang, just cut a joke and let you feel how brutal is it what just happened because every time that something atrocious happens to a character or thor loses one more thing and you thought that it couldn't be there there was just no way that he could lose anything else yeah and there's a joke standing 30 seconds not even it's like horrible thing happens three second pause a joke to lift the mood and i wish (laughs) there were a few more scenes where they maybe let it stand a little bit longer so yeah. you could really feel it with the character rather than it. The, the dude loses his whole family and his entire sibling, like his home, he loses everything. Yeah. And I thought that was an interesting de-dressing that they did throughout the film where at first he loses his hammer. Mm-hmm. And then in the next scene, someone tears his cape. Yeah. It's this super small scene, but they tear his cape a little bit and you can hear it tear. And that's another part of his identity that he's losing. Yeah. And then he loses a fight to Hulk. He's no longer the strongest Avenger. Mm-hmm. and he loses his eye and he's losing things over and over and over again but so close to the back of every one of those losses is something that lightens the mood a little bit yeah. and in the long term i think that might have been a good decision because going into endgame it's just such a barrage of of, of brutality mm-hmm. so there's there's a balance to be struck but i think it would have been a little bit more fun to let those moments sit and have it be a little bit more of a tragedy. They even say that at the beginning where Loki as Odin is watching the play and says it's the tragedy of Loki. And I would have loved for that movie to be a little bit more of the tragedy of Thor. Yeah, I agree. I totally agree. I feel like this is going to get into a good pod here, but uh, um, I think we should take a quick break and then we'll get into the categories. Yeah. All right, we're back with the categories, starting with category number one. 
So I'll give my top four scenes and then um, you can bring in any other scenes I didn't mention and we'll discuss mm-hmm. about that. Um, the opening scene for me is, is, is really good. Like he's just like hanging in this thing and he like just starts with this narration and then he's, that's the first time you see the comedic side of Thor, I think in the whole MCU, aside from like a moment or two here and there in um, the first Avengers. I think he has a couple, but that's almost like really playing off of Stark. It's not even really about him. So you're kind of like, oh, this is funny. Like this, I thought this is new. Like, where are we going? So I really like that first scene. And then it has the immigrant song by Led Zeppelin, which is like incredibly impossible to get in your movie. That's like super expensive. I talked about it in the School of Rock pod, like how expensive is it to get that song? So anyways, great scene. And then my next one is the first Hella. Like she just kind of, like the badass where she just kind of kills everyone and is like, I am hella. Like, this is who I am. And yeah. you're kind of like, okay. I have like, I have my concerns about Kate Blanchett in this role, which we can talk about later. I think she's a little bit too um, good. I honestly think she's too good for this role. I think she's like, I think it's just way out of her. I don't know why she's in it, to be honest. I think she's, it's just not who she is, but anyways, great scene. Um, and then I have my third one is the 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 fight with Thor and Hulk in the arena. Like that's the first time you see Hulk and Thor is like, it's my friend from work. And they it's like a funny moment. And then they just like, they battle and it's, it gives me like gladiator, the movie gladiator and vibes, but in space. I don't know. I, I always thought this movie was kind of like a Russell, like the Russell Crowe gladiator movie. So, um, mm-hmm. and then the last one I have is like the very, the final kind of battle at the end. Um you love a good epic final battle to end an end an MCU movie. You have to have it. So, those are my top four. Um, do you have anything else that I didn't mention that you want to bring up? Absolutely loved the scene where Hela has Thor pinned down on the banister rail, and mm-hmm. Thor gets transported back to Norway and is forced to confront his father again. Yeah. And he literally drops to his knees in front of literally archetypal father of Odin Mm -hmm. and professes that he is not worthy and that he is not good enough. And Odin comes back with just this beautiful line of no, you're stronger. Mm -hmm. That that just gives me chills every time where Thor is, he's almost crying. He says, I'm not strong enough. I'm not as strong as you. There's no, you're stronger. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's like a great, we talk about the comedic timing of this movie and the, the comedic chops of all these actors, but then there's moments like that where it's like this, that's what the beauty of Marvel is. They can do it all in one movie, make you feel so many different kinds of things. So that's a good one. I didn't, I, I, I didn't, didn't make my top four, but it's a good one. Yeah. I think as, as I was saying earlier, I think it, if scenes were able to hang a little bit more on the serious note, just like that one did, I think it could, the movie could have been a little bit better. I think there were a few scenes that if, they just let it hang in the air and mm-hmm. force the viewer to just accept what happened and have the lungs sucked out of the room. Not yeah. the, lung, the air sucked out of your lungs and go, wow, that really just happened. Yeah. Kind of like seeing Peter Parker grasp for Tony as he's yeah. being disassembled into dust. Mm-hmm. You just let that sit. No music, no sound, no nothing. Just this just happened. Just yeah. breathe it in, take it in for a second. Yeah. Um, do you have any other scenes? I really liked Bruce meeting Loki again. I think that a lot of those I haven't I haven't watched I haven't watched a lot of the Marvel after Endgame because I think it's difficult to 
to start building something up. If I, if I hear that it's all going well again, I'll probably go back and rewatch everything. But mm-hmm. Endgame was just such a perfect natural conclusion yeah. to a lot of the MCU, to a lot of those characters that you and I likely grew up with. Mm-hmm. Went and saw the movies for a lot of those characters. I remember Iron Man coming out and seeing that in theaters and growing up with these guys and seeing them retire mm-hmm. and grow past who they are and what they were. I think is so much fun and you don't really think about the interconnected characters outside of the movies, but seeing Bruce come in and see this guy that just tried to wipe out all of humanity with an alien army. And he's just kind of sitting there and he's had a little bit of, he's had more character development. He's redeemed himself a few times. He's done some cool stuff and Bruce sees this guy and goes, no, that's a monster. Yeah, that's that's Adolf Hitler level human being. That's, that's Stalin sitting in that chair. Yeah, and he kind of tries to pull some strings behind the scenes where he's like, "That guy just talked about how he wanted to kill me." And I think the Loki <laughs> had a really good line in that as well, where Bruce says, "Hey, last time I saw you, you're trying to kill everyone. Is that are we are you cool or are you trying to kill everyone?" He goes, "It differs from moment to moment." <laughs> and what's the what's the actor for Loki's name? Hiddleston, Tom Hiddleston. Yeah, he he does such a great job. And I think that that's another example of one of those supporting cast that elevates the level of the movie so much by just being so great whenever they're in it, but not taking over the limelight. Yeah. I love Loki as a character. I think he's, I honestly think he's my second favorite villain in the MCU other than like Thanos. I think he's the most like well thought out villain and he's the most compelling villain aside from Thanos. He's in more stuff than Thanos too. And yeah, now he has his own show. I, I, I haven't kept up with Loki too much. So I'm like, I'm like two episodes in, so mm-hmm. I've finished it, but I've heard it's like, gets crazy and it, it's, it's a good ending and stuff. So I, I can't wait to get into it. Cause I'm a huge Loki guy. I just kind of wanted to watch it all at once instead of have to wait every week. Yeah. But that's that's another discussion too um let's go to category two uh what still works we talked about this briefly but just the switch up of thor's character um it still works like it's it's so it's crazy to think that they made two other movies and how bad they are like the first two movies are just horrifically bad to watch um i don't know when's the last time you've watched them but are you a fan of them i'm i'm just assuming you don't like them but are you a fan of them no so i watched i've seen the original Thor, I think twice. Mm-hmm. I don't even think I could get through it both times. I think yeah. I've, I've watched the full movie in combination of two or three <laughs> viewings. Yeah. And the second one I watched maybe the first 15 minutes. Really? I, yeah. I, I, do a, I do a lot of stuff with my time. I try to do as much as I can. I try to stay busy. And mm-hmm. so if I sit down to a movie and I can normally tell if a show or a movie is going to be good within the first five to 15 minutes at the latest and if it's not good i'll just get up and leave and (coughs) i'll I'll leave i'll even be hanging out with my family and they'll put on ghostbusters 2016 and Mm -hmm. i'll i'll just i'll just get up and leave like no the the writing's not airtight i I love an airtight good writing movie and if there's things that i'm seeing are already falling by the wayside and there's already footage that's fallen to the cutting room floor when it probably shouldn't or there's too yeah. much exposition too much telling not showing and i i decided that it's not worth my time so both of those were in in that category did you walk out of thor the dark world like out of the theater or like just watching it on tv no just watching it on tv yeah i saw thor the dark world i've seen it twice 
in theater when it came out, whenever it came out, and don't remember that experience whatsoever. So it should have been would have been terrible. And then over quarantine, I watched all the Marvel movies start to finish, like or sorry, like at the beginning to the end, and mm-hmm. got to that movie and just like, all right, gotta grind this one out, I guess, and yeah. just like hated it the whole time. But um, yeah, switch up with Thor's character, it's amazing, and then his character moving forward, I'm really excited to see what what they do with it, I guess, in the next phase of the i think he's got like maybe one or two left and then he's done so i'm curious what you thought of how they handled him in endgame because i thought they took a huge 180 on his character i thought that they were building and building and building by giving him these vicissitudes to deal with and overcome and then he almost succumbs to it at this point where he absolutely should succumb to it but i thought that it would have been more in line with his character had he really double down on being the protector of Asgard rather than yeah. just giving it all up. I think they did the, the end game where it's like, we have so much characters to like discuss. And I think Thor had to take a back seat to other characters who are more important to the MCU and more important to the story. And, and Thor just kind of ended up, especially in end game was just the butt of every joke. Yeah. Um, and I guess, I guess that's what you think about that. So I hope I think I think they're maybe gonna like change. They're going to go back to Ragnarok vibes of Thor in Guardians. I think he's supposed to be in Guardians three or whatever, and then his own. I think he has his own movie too, mm-hmm. more than he's done. But I'm interested. Like they can't kill him because he's a god. Like I'm just if yeah. like if he dies, I'm like, well, no, he's not dead. So they have to like he must he'll have to like step away or something. I don't know. I wonder um, if they'll do that with Love and Thunder, the yeah. Natalie Portman, yeah, coming into that, yeah. Um just the writing in this movie we talked about it too like it's really airtight it's really good um it's got it's got comedy it's got serious stuff but for the most part we talked about how it it should let it some stuff hang a little bit but i I do think the writing for the most part is pretty solid um that's that's my opinion i don't know what you think i agree i don't think that they left any loose ends hanging that were glaring to me yeah there are lots of films that i'll watch where they'll set something up in the very beginning and then, so the perfect example I could take from this is where Scourge has his two, what are they, M- M15s? Yeah. He has, he, has these, he has his two guns and he calls them D and, or De and Stroy. Because <laughs> when I put them together, it's Destroy. And <laughs> at the end of the movie, it's literally Chekhov's gun that's hanging in the air for the entire film. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of the movie, he comes out, redeems himself pulls out these guns and defends the Asgardians as they make their escape. So I think that they, everything that they set up, they at least tied up. Yeah. Which is all that I can really ask for, for a movie to be good. Yeah. Maybe not great, but definitely good. Yeah. Uh, what TT's directing style is, is clearly, he's one of those directors that when you watch, if you like go into the movie and you're kind of, and you don't know for some reason who the director is, you can probably tell within the first like 15, 20 minutes that, like, Oh, this is him. Um, same with Jojo Rabbit. I think I knew it was him, but I was I don't think I was a hundred percent sure for some reason. I went into seeing in theaters like, oh, this is pretty sure this is with TT. And then after I checked, I was like, oh yeah, I was right. Or whatever yeah. the credits roll, and I'm like, oh yeah, that was him. So yeah, I think he's a really good future of doing some stuff. And I hope I think he's doing more Marvel too. I think he's doing Love and Thunder. Sweet. I, I hope he is. So. Yeah, I think so. I, I, I don't quote me on that, but I'm pretty sure he's like sticking around for maybe another Marvel movie. So. I think directors don't get as much freedom when directing a Marvel film. Obviously, you wouldn't exactly want to give the reins to any director coming in on your huge multi-level 
multi-phase yeah. franchise because you wanted to have some kind of continuity. I just watched Hunt for the Wilder People last night. Mm-hmm. It's the second or third time I've seen it. Love that movie. So good. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really YTT at his core. If he yeah. had no constraints, no straight jacket or anything on him, regardless of how loose, I think that's the way it ends up coming out. And it's very tons of fun. I love the fact that he recruits his actors and actresses out of New Zealand. Yeah. The, the Peter Jackson book. I think that's a ton of fun. And mm-hmm. people are speaking in their accents and yeah, I, <coughs> I just absolutely love that movie. And I think that his cinematography really comes through and hunt for the wilder people. And you can see little glimpses of it in Ragnarok. Yeah, I agree. Um, Marvel's really good at this, but they always just nail the soundtrack. Um, and this movie is no different. They always like nut up for the big, like they're like, Oh, immigrant songs, like a couple billion dollars. No problem. Here you go. Like, yeah. For some movies, it's like, ah, I'm good. I guess I don't need it that bad. But uh, soundtrack in this movie is really good. Um, just like every MCU movie, it's like a big part of their thing is like, we're going to make a good soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Um like Guardians of the Galaxy, for example, like the whole movie is based on this soundtrack, on this like thing that Peter Quill carries around. So. Well, yeah, that's really similar to what we were talking about a little bit earlier with Hunger Games, where that soundtrack is actually a character in the film, just as the map or the arena in Catching Fire is a character in that film. So I definitely agree. I think that that was a really cool part of Guardians of the Galaxy, especially the first one. I think the second one, wasn't as iconic yeah but i think the first guardians of the galaxy really nailed it to that i the first time that i watched thor ragnarok i can remember the entire time waiting for the finale waiting for thunderstruck by ACDC, the entire time and i loved it when immigrant song came back on because i love that song i think Mm -hmm. that it was the perfect song especially for that intro scene like you were talking about yeah i think that just worked so well but when it when immigrant song came back on as much as I was elated to hear it, I was also a little bit deflated mm-hmm. because I was just waiting for Thunderstruck. <laughs> they probably did the thing. They're like, okay, we paid a billion dollars. Yeah. Let's just use it twice, I guess. Why not? Yeah, totally. <laughs> you might as well, seriously. Yeah, yeah. Um, A uh, couple more. I have just like the Hiddleston Hemsworth, their whole dynamic as, as two actors and two guys who do these movies together. And they're like really linked together. Like Hiddleston was... Hiddleston was supposed to be Thor. Like he was the last person before they found Hemsworth. And then they were like, do you want to be Loki? Um, apparently he was talking about it. Hiddleston was talking about it on Jimmy Fallon uh, pre-pandemic, I think, or maybe in the middle or some sometime, like not that long ago. And he was saying that how he got, they were like, you got to bulk up. Like you got to be Thor. So he bulked up and then didn't get the role and then had to like, go back to his normal body for Loki. And I think Loki is actually more in his pocket, in his range than Thor. It'd be like really weird to see him as Thor in my, like imagine if they switched, it'd be really weird. Yeah. Like you don't, you're, first of all, you don't have like the lock, like the locks, like Thor, like that's just the whole thing is like Hemsworth's hair. So, mm-hmm. and Loki has long hair and stuff, but it's also black. I don't yeah. know. But anytime they're together in any scene, like I, I love, love, love their dynamic. I love their relationship. I love how they took it seriously to build that brother relationship up. They have such good chemistry. It's mm-hmm. so fun to watch, especially knowing that they both love and on some level hate each other. Yeah. Because they don't trust each other, but they have to trust each other the entire time. Mm-hmm. There's nothing they can do but trust each other. Yeah. And that's how they survive. Yeah. And 
it also leads to their demise over and over and over again. (laughs) And it was fun to see Thor in this movie take a stand and learn from all of those times that he had been betrayed. He goes, oh, not not this time. I'm going (laughs) to get you this time. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And then the last one I have for this category is just it being a really good standalone movie. I think think a lot of people forget not forget about it, but just don't think of it like that. Like I think a lot of people first movie that you think of as a good standalone MCU would be winter soldier, or at least that's what I think about. But mm-hmm. I think Ragnarok on his own, it's like it ties like there's, there's stuff that like it leaves you hanging because they need to leave you hanging because the rest of the story, like it's just going to keep like, that's just Marvel. Like there's a lot of cliffhangers for a lot of characters and stuff, but this movie is just like tight. And like a lot of characters, their stories just end or it could end. Yeah. You know what I mean? So this movie, I think it's really good about that. And I didn't really think about it until I started like really researching for this. So, yeah, I think that as a standalone, it was good. I agree. There are tons of references and Marvel has to do that. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's a two hour advertisement. Yeah. And I do a similar thing when I do my podcasts, where if I'm, if I have an idea that I've spoken to someone about before and I'm expanding on that idea, I'll always reference one of my older podcasts or one of the older people so that you can always go back and see where my mind was a month ago, a week ago, whatever. And it's very similar in the MCU where Loki walks past the Tesseract as he's leaving with the Serta skull. Yeah. And he goes, oh yeah, that's, that's going to be something. And you don't get to see any more <laughs> of that, but you understand where that's going in the future. Yep. And so there, yeah, like there are always these references, it's always overlap. And that's something they do so well is tying things together so that it doesn't actually detract from the film when you watch it. But if you watch, if you, it doesn't detract from the film, if you watch it as a standalone, but if you're watching it as a conglomerate and you're really into it and you understand the lore and you watch all the YouTube videos, read all the comic books, go discuss with your friends and do all that fun stuff. And you watch these, it adds a layer of complexity. It's as if they're making references to it's, it's like when authors make references to older books so mm-hmm. that when you read those older books and then you read the author that just referenced them, you go, okay, I know exactly what you're talking about. And I know exactly where you got it from. That's fine. Yeah. yeah. Do you have anything else for what still works? Or are you good to move on? Anything else you want to bring up? No, uh, no, I, th- I think, I think I'm good. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to category three is cringe moments or just kind of stuff that like ah that didn't really age very well and i know this movie is not that old but i got a few things actually is mm-hmm. what do you think about this movie is basically just erased in the first like two minutes in infinity war like do you think that like what, what are your thoughts on that? like all basically all of what just happened in ragnarok two minutes in infinity war is just like yeah well that doesn't matter anymore <laughs> yeah i've i've had a laugh at how obliterated the uh the the asgardians were throughout yeah. the entire series where they they get decimated by Hela and then they lose their home and then Thanos kills a bunch of them in the next film and then Thanos does his snap within and like kills. within like two minutes too it's like first yeah. scene everyone dies it's like what yeah. the hell and then there's a snap and yeah. somehow Thor brings these people to Norway and has new Asgard or whatever yeah who are you populating that place with Come on. <laughs> uh I think they actually could have done a lot more kind of in terms of that serious emotional feeling that we would have gotten from Thor. And I think they could have played that a lot further by killing characters 
and having more significant deaths at the end of Ragnarok rather than the mm. beginning of Infinity War. Yeah. Because it's difficult to go into Infinity War, see someone die and go, oh, that sucks, but I'm not really attached to you because I haven't been watching you grow for the past two hours. Yeah. The, the key holder of the door, it's not, is that Idris Elba? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So do you, do you know what his actual name was in the film? uh helmda or uh something like that yeah so anyways so he, idris yeah, elba yeah it's idris elba exactly so <laughs> from what i remember his character dies pretty pretty much as you're entering infinity war where i think yeah. that if he would have sacrificed himself done something to to, to die like he's already gonna die you know he's gonna mm. die in the next film and we don't have this big emotional punch outside of asgard being destroyed and we don't really know Asgard. Asgard's not a character in the film mm-hmm. as the, the music was in Guardians or the map in Hunger Games or Catching yeah. Fire. So that's not something <clears throat> that elicits very much emotional content from the viewer. Whereas yeah. if Idris Elba's, Idris Elba's character, who we've been watching grow and protect and harbor these people at risk of his own life for this entire time, mm-hmm. if we watch him die at the end of that, that makes you go whoa okay they're they're willing to they're willing to risk something for the reward of engaging you into the film and bringing you in closer and making you feel something and i think that's something that we've ultimately lost in modern storytelling is Mm -hmm. the willingness to make sacrifices in the film to pull people closer yeah and not only pull them into the film but you pull people together in real life as well I mean, imagine if Chewie actually died at the end of or in the middle of Star Wars yeah. rather than I'm just saying, oh, no, he's on a different ship. Mm-hmm. You look at your friend and go, wow, Chewie, they just killed Chewie. Okay, <laughs> this is getting serious. This is getting real. Yeah. I think that, have you ever seen The Expanse? Nope. No, I haven't. So it's a, it's a show about colonizing Mars and colonizing the outer solar system and what happens if an random alien molecule that comes into the universe and we have no idea what it does or what it, how it works but they do such a good job on that show of building a character building a character and first thing that character isn't worth anything anymore or doesn't have a a further arc to go on to naturally they'll kill them and they'll actually kill them in the middle of the arc and i think that the, the best book series and show that did that was game of thrones mm-hmm. before they ran out of the content of george r, r. martin and then they, yeah. they fell off because how do you kill characters without the okay from the guy that wrote it all because you're <laughs> gonna get a ton of hate from your fan base and you don't really yeah. want that so i definitely have a lot of sympathy for the showrunners because they were in a tough spot with that but i think that if marvel were more willing to do that i think it would engage the audience a little bit more mm-hmm. and i mean you see that in why was Chewie around in star wars after han solo dies Chewie yeah. and han solo should have died back to back that's a mm-hmm. pair. That's that's one character. Yep. And I think so to to digress, I think it would have been fun if rather than killing these characters on the heel step of Infinity War, they kill them on the final stride of Ragnarok. Yeah. Agreed. So as much as I don't I do not like like Doctor Strange, his character, like at all, like I don't really like his movie, and I do not like Benedict Cumberbatch as an actor in this role. Like I, I enjoy him in like Sherlock and HBO stuff, but I, first of all, think his American accent is just so bad. 
And second of all, I don't know why he's in this movie. I feel like it's just, a, I know like his, his character is inevitably really important to everything that's going to happen. Like I get that. Like, I don't, I'm fine with him being in Avengers movies and like having his own movies, like whatever. Mm-hmm. I just feel like he's really pulling away from Thor. And then that scene with him and Thor is like really awkward at, in the middle of the movie. It's, it's like a really, like, I just kind of want to fast forward that scene. I don't know what you think about that, but not a big fan of Ben and Ed Cumberbatch. I'm, I'm a big fan of his early Sherlock Sherlock work. I think he mm-hmm. lost me in the last season or two, mm-hmm. but I think that the early stuff, I just absolutely fell in love with his character and how he portrayed that character. I think he's the perfect amount of quirky, weird. Also gives off this guise of intelligence and he's, he's like the perfect actor for that. He's this yeah. very strange looking individual, but he's also very attractive. Yes. And, and it, it's so weird. It's kind of, he's kind of like Adam Driver. He's yeah. a British intellectual Adam Driver. <laughs> and so I loved Sherlock. I think that I enjoyed Doctor Strange because I've always loved that character. I think that I was probably influenced by my love of the comic book character before getting into the, the films. So I think that I'm maybe biased in that direction. But I totally agree that it was as we were talking about earlier, a advertisement in the middle of a film for another film yep. and a little bit of a sneak peek into going forward where I don't think they really needed to have him in there. And no. maybe that's a part of the, the tightness of the script and the tightness of the writing is even if it worked, was it necessary? Mm-hmm. So I agree that like, I don't, I don't even think about it. That as part of the movie. Really? When yeah. I think back to Ragnarok, I when I watch, I just watched it right before we talked. And when they end up going to the Doctor Strange house, I remember thinking, whoa, he's in this. I totally forgot about this. <laughs> yeah. It just seems like, like somewhere that he doesn't belong. It's like a commercial in the middle of the movie. Exactly. Like, oh, we got to take a quick break and just bring in Benedict Cumberbatch for like no fucking reason. I don't yeah. Know. I, I They're like, that. hey, this guy has his own movie. Go check it out. <laughs> Now back to whatever we were doing. Yeah, um, exactly. <laughs> and then the last one I have is just like Marvel's like, I just always thought this was weird. They just kill off villains all the time so fast. I just yeah. I don't know why they have to kill off Hela and, or just get rid of her. I, I, don't, I don't understand. So that would be my last cringe moment thing. So um, do you have anything else to bring into that or we're going to move on? What was the actress's name for Hela? Kate Blanchett. Kate Blanchett. So... I agree that she was over. She was overqualified for the position because of what they gave her in her position. Yeah, and it's not as if that there wasn't enough time for them to develop the character and flesh her out, because there were a few scenes of her walking around and going, "I'm evil, I'm evil, I'm evil, I'm evil." Mm-hmm. Whereas, what they did with Thanos was very similar to as revolutionary as what they did with Darth Vader mm-hmm. in the seventies maybe 80s. I'm not 100% with my dates, but Marvel showed that people want a hero, they want an anti-hero villain. Someone that you can look at in the frame of scientific history, Mm -hmm. where you look at them and go, okay, they did some evil stuff, but I, I kind of understand. We're kind of looking at the the trade routes that were created by the Mongol empire as they massacred millions and millions of people. 
Mm-hmm. You can go, okay, well, we kind of like that. We kind of like having things from a flow of trade from the east coast of Asia to the west coast of Europe. So yeah. that's something that's happened and we, we understand that it was horrible. But I think Marvel did a really good job with Thanos where it wasn't just philosophical history where you look at this guy and go, this guy's evil and there's nothing that you can say to change my mind because he's, he's Hitler, he's Stalin, he's trying to cleanse the world of all evil and bring about good for his people. And the Thanos, I think Thanos even has a better argument than those two did. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's not as if they had good arguments, but you can at least look back <laughs> a little bit and go, well, you're an evil son of a bitch, but I understand why. Yeah. And with someone like Hela, it's just this person's evil and they didn't give her enough depth. And I think that Kate Blanchett would have been the perfect person for the role if the writing were to have given her the opportunity to become someone that the viewer actually sympathized with against their best intuitions. Yeah. They, they, I feel like they kind of did this thing where like, okay, so we have three stars on the, on the, I don't know, on the sports team. We got Chris Hemsworth, we got Tom Hiddleston and we got Ruffalo. Um, we have a lot of cap space. So let's just bring someone else in. That's just good. Just because we have a lot of money. Um, yeah. Kate Blanchett, you were available. And there she's like, sure, I guess I'll they'll probably paid her a lot to do this role. And she was like, sure. I haven't done anything in a while, so I'll do it. But anyways, I have more to talk about her later, but let's go to category four. Who's the most dateable person and why? Um, I think it's a two horse race for me. It's like between Thor or Banner. Like who would you want to like argue for if you were to date them? I guess like what dateable qualities would be in them? I would say Thor over time becomes more and more humbled by his situation, Mm -hmm. but he also stays just so cool, calm and collected. Yeah. And he's able to make a joke through things. He's, he's quite stoic and I'm very similar through my experience of suffering in the world is Mm -hmm. I'll make a joke about it, make light of it. And it's something that's fun almost because you can look at the absurdity of life and go, it's happened. And now we're going to accept it and move on and learn from it. Yeah. And I I really liked that aspect. Mm -hmm. And that was another issue that I had with how they portrayed him in Endgame was because I think they just, they build this guy up to be that person. And then they do a little bit of a 180 on him and go, okay, this is something so bad that it actually breaks you. Yeah. Yeah. I think probably would have to go with Thor, I guess, if you're going to date, just because like, he's like, pretty handsome beautiful oh my god yeah yeah. Yeah, that's not mince words the dude's a yeah literally a god (laughs) yeah and i think that he would be like if you talk to me in early thor like if he's dated i'll probably be like no because he's pretty arrogant and he's cocky and stuff but i think he really matures a lot as well as a character and i think that no disrespect to ruffle or anything but he's just not as good looking as hemsworth and he turns into this big green monster whenever he feels any sort of anger so maybe stay away from that yeah <laughs> do you have anyone else that you thought maybe would be dateable or like for me it was just the two of them that i could maybe make a case for the other, the other people you just don't really know like tessa thompson for example don't like really get into her character that that much like i just don't really know her that well yeah she's kind of toxic she's a yeah like an al- alcoholic with ptsd that's yeah. something that i don't want to do work on <laughs> yeah 
Yeah, like I, I definitely go with Thor Ruffalo. I think even even Loki's like a, a bad boy that that's someone that you're like maybe if I have enough time with him I can I can tame that guy. He's he's the he's the he's the beast in Beauty of the Beast. You go. He's a really good guy. There's something in there. If I have enough time with him, I think I can change him. I think I can yeah. I think I can teach him the ways kind of thing where it's not going to happen. Dude's a trickster. Yeah. yeah. Um, so let's take a quick break and we'll come back with category five. Sounds good. All right, we're back with category five. What's up with that? Where we talk about plot holes or any other unanswerable questions I have about this movie. I have four questions for you. Um, how long do you think Thor was like at the very beginning of the movie, he's tied up there. Like how long do you think he was actually there for hours, days, minutes? I'd say probably days. I'd like to think that he's actually going a little bit crazy when he has mm-hmm. that conversation with the skeleton. Yeah. I've seen some criticism of that in that it starts off with him having a monologue or a supposed dialogue with mm-hmm. the viewer you breaking the fourth wall very deadpool-esque mm-hmm. and then turns out to actually be talking to a skeleton i've seen some people say oh that's silly we're not trying to break the fourth wall this is marvel nobody really does that you're mm-hmm. gonna need one character to actually be able to do that and just like deadpool is able to do that and that's mm-hmm. the exception to the rule i think that thinking that he's been there for days or weeks actually makes that make sense yeah. because now he's got this buddy he's got his little friend in the cage with him <laughs> And you kind of wonder why is this guy set up like this? If the bottom drops out of the cage and whatever, I think you can can poke some holes into it, but (coughs) just having fun, you go, this guy's clearly gone insane. Yeah. And now he's talking to his friend. That is you, the viewer, this (laughs) pile of bones. Yeah. I was thinking probably like a couple, like maybe not quite a week, but like four, four days maybe. And then he's just snapped. Yeah. I feel like valid to be going crazy just stuck like that for four days especially when you're a god and you're not used to that mm-hmm. like things are all the time going your way and then you're just stuck here for four days so um my next question would be we, t- we kind of you briefly mentioned it earlier so i like i'm glad that you didn't go full into it because i guess i want to ask you it now but mm-hmm. does hella like if you flip it and does hella have a point does hella have like what's your if you had to flip it and be like hey hella's maybe the hero of the movie how would you like make that argument or make that case or is there maybe there's not one so in british columbia the place that i spent the last five or six years of my life there are lots of forest fires very often Mm -hmm. and a part of that is that it actually fertilizes the soil quite a bit when there's burnt earth and scorched earth and it also opens up the seeds, so seeds can't actually break apart or bust open a lot of, a lot of these trees mm-hmm. unless there's very intense heat. So it has to be really hot for these seeds to pop. And from these forest fires, growth actually comes out. There are tons of mushrooms. Morel mushrooms is a prime example. Super delicious, really yummy. And we can't even find a way to grow them artificially mm-hmm. because they just don't taste the same. They're not the same as growing from a natural forest fire. So they're is a necessity for 
burning and carnage and murder and death for mm -hmm. fertilization in the long term. So I think that's the argument that I would make if I were to make it philosophically rather yeah. than saying, well, we need to murder everyone to whatever, do this or that, or um, recreate an old culture or something like that, or create room for something new. Things are getting stagnant. I think that's a environmental approach that you could take that would align well with that character. If she were to say, what I'm doing here is rejuvenating the world yeah. and bringing back this idea of uh, a lack of prosperity. There's this really awesome Francis Bacon quote that is, virtue is like precious odors, most fragrant when they are incensed or crushed, for prosperity doth best discover vice, mm -hmm. but adversity doth best discover virtue. Mm -hmm. So I think that what she's really doing is trying to find virtue by destroying things. And just as you need to crush lavender or vanilla to get the purest scent out of it, that's what she's doing for these people. And it's not that she's doing it to these people, but she's doing it for these people. Mm -hmm. If I were making a <laughs> psychopathic rationalization, I think it would sound a little bit like that. Yeah. I, I went on like the line, when I did the Lion King pod, I did the full, I went in full, like I'm defending Scar. Like this yeah. is like, I went like, fuck all you guys. Scar's the good guy. Like Mufasa's an asshole and shit. And then at the end I was kind of like, well, people probably think I'm psycho, but I'm still going to release it. And I still think about that, honestly. But anyways, um, well, it's mean, a good I, point. Yeah, well, I, I've, I've talked a lot about Hitler and Stalin, and I think that the the best way to stop those things from happening in the future is to understand why those people thought what they thought and to think of them not as unrational beings, but people that are pushed to an extreme by both their nature and their nurture. And mm. I think that's the only way to actually approach those situations rather than saying that they're crazy because people like that are going to come up all the time. So you have to... Yeah have a rationalization and i agree i think it's as beneficial as it is dangerous to go into the minds of those people yeah because once you start to blur the line between good and evil then things get a little bit tricky psychologically mm -hmm. uh, my next question would be just as a standalone villain in one movie so let's just say that loki take the best performance as loki as a villain so let's just say i don't know his performance in the first avengers and let's just say you never saw him again Mm -hmm. compare that to hella's performance in this movie which villain arc do you like better which one do you think is more compelling stuff like that i haven't seen the first avenger in a while mm -hmm. but i feel that even with the I'd, I'd say lack of remembrance or rudimentary understanding of loki as a character back then I think I would still root for Loki because there was an external pressure on him that wasn't only in, it wasn't only internal. So it was also the pressure of Thanos because they were working together. So the, the that guy that looked like the mouth of Sauron, that was Thanos's talking head where he would, him and Loki would have their meetings. You see him a few times and you understand that Loki's actually working for someone else. It's kind of like the relationship between Steppenwolf and I forget his name, but the big bad from the Justice League. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, the the Snyder Cut. Yeah, I can't, I can't remember, but yeah, I know what you're talking about. So, so having that external pressure actually makes you sympathize a little bit more for the character, whereas, as I said, if, unless I give Helena some 
psychopathic rationalization, <laughs> then it's really difficult to go to her and say, okay, this is a good villain. This is someone that yeah. is fleshed out. I mean, even I think Serta was a, almost a better villain than Helen or Hela. Mm-hmm. And I think that was a small misstep on the writing team was having Thor so easily bested Serta. Yeah. Because I think it would have been cool for, they, they have a lot of time in that, that initial scene where they could have spent more time having Thor get beat up by Serta and then maybe scrape by a W at the very end. But yeah. Serta's going to be the, the overarching villain throughout the film and he's going to finish the movie as mm-hmm. the big villain. Then it's difficult to take him seriously as Thor's kind of joking around with him at the beginning. He's spinning around and says, oh, just wait, wait for me to come around because my chain is spinning and I can't see you. And and I think that you could even tie that into that insanity bit at the beginning where he's so crazy and he's so he's so past his own understanding that he kind of jokes around with this guy yeah. that's supposed to be the coming of the <laughs> apocalypse. Yeah. So it, it's a little bit tough. And I think that it would have been fun to have him and Hella have a more symbiotic relationship together. Mm-hmm. And it, it was it was fun to see Thor come up with a outside of the box idea of how to deal with the goddess of death. Yeah. But I definitely think there's a little bit of room there for someone that's a little bit better at writing than I am. I think a couple things that, so I guess my next question was going to be like, are we sure about Kate Blanchett in this role, which we've like talked about. So I guess let's talk about it at the same time. It's like, she is, we cover this way too overqualified so i wish first of all i wish whoever played hella was just some rant not like a random but like someone that you could be like oh this is an up-and-coming actress let's i want to see her like this is a big role or maybe something not like a random like someone who's you've noticed in other things but like oh she's good but i want her to get something better mm-hmm. and then this is the better role um or 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 the other thing too i guess would be i think so the writers are three dudes and I think they have a hard time, guys in general, just, you've seen in movies time and time again, they have a hard time writing female roles and especially female villains. I honestly, like, I think that, yeah, I think the writing is just holding her back aside from just, be, I remember seeing Kate Blanchett being casted and I was like, why? <laughs> like, I'm already out of the role. Like I'm already, no matter what, I'm just like, why? I feel like mm-hmm. she's just better than, not better than this, but it's it's just not her thing like it's just like if uh, i don't know if leonardo dicaprio was in a marvel movie i'd be like why are you in this movie man like you're just that's not you yeah i don't know so they must have either a paid her a lot of money or i think i have something here from the freaks and geeks that her kids really wanted her to do it so that's but, funny yeah and she was like okay and i mean it's it's marvel at the peak as well like there's yeah. so many people that were just vying for any position in Marvel. They just wanted mm-hmm. to be a part of it. It was like being a part of the Star Wars universe before that started yeah. to tank a little bit. Yeah. So that's all my like plot holes or like or more like questions about the movie. Do you have anything else you wanted to bring up? Anything that's really bugging you? I had a little thought about Kate Blanchett there. I think I may have lost it though. Maybe I'll mm-hmm. come back to it. Yeah. So good to move on to the next category. All right, let's go to category six, freaks and geeks, completely nerd out with camera angles, weird quirks about the movie, et cetera, et cetera. A couple facts about the movie. So what TT said in the interview with MTV News, I would say we improvised probably 80% of the film or ad-libbed and threw in stuff. What TT, and then, uh, yeah, so I just, I wrote it down twice, but yeah, that's, that's, mm-hmm. that's the thing. 80% of the film ad-libbed. I thought honestly it'd be more. 
like I think 80% is pretty low. I like if I was just to guess, I'd be like probably like 85, 90, but still a lot of just especially in a Marvel movie where they're like, you have to do this, 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 you have to continue this continuity. And they were just like, just improv and we'll get it, whatever, and we'll write it down. It's, it's cool. Um, with TT based Korg's character on a police, uh, Polynesian bouncer, we wanted to change the idea of what a hulking guy made of rocks could be. He's huge and heavy, but with a light soul and he's funny and friendly. Uh, Blanchette accepted a role in this movie to please her children who are Marvel comic fans. Blanchette's eldest son, uh, Deshneel John Upton suggested she take the role of Hella, saying it'd be a career boost. I think that is wrong. I think I would just, I just do not think of Kate Blanchett. I'm like, oh yeah, Hella, she fucking killed that. Yeah. <laughs> I think of lots of other things first. Uh, the last thing I have was what well, TT said that he wanted to showcase Chris Hemsworth's comedic talent in this movie. He's so good and underutilized in that department. He's legitimately one of the funniest things in this film, which I agree with. And they, yeah. I would have never guessed that because I'm like, this guy just thinks he's literally a God. I think he thinks he's way better than he is as an actor. And I'm, I'm fine. I'm finally found that he can just take a step back and be like, you know what? I'm funny. Let's just do it. So those are all my freaks and geeks stuff. Got anything? Yeah. On that note of the natural humor in Hemsworth plus their ability to improvise. I think you need very naturally funny people to improvise. Yep. I think if you're humor might be the most difficult thing to write into a script because you need someone that can actually give delivery mm -hmm. and it's tough to find someone that can act funny, but is not funny. Yeah. But to be able to improvise in a film requires, I think a lot of trust from the entire cast because you have to do things very out of your comfort zone that you're, you're consistently pushing the envelope. And I think that the level of skill between the cast, as well as their chemistry from previous films, ties everything together where you're able yeah. to just have a brotherhood. You just have a family out there. Yeah. And I think that that really ties everything together with both of those things, the improv improvisation and the natural comedic impulses of Hemsworth. Yeah, I also saw this other thing. I forgot to write it down, but I thought it was really cool. Was that apparently you know that line where he's like, um, I, I, "My friend from work," and he screams that line out to Hulk. Mm -hmm. Apparently, a Make a Wish um, kid came to set to like that was his dream. His goal was to come to set and suggested it to Hemsworth and Watiti, and they were like, "Sure," and they put it in the movie. Sweet. <laughs> yeah, I don't like that kid. Must feel awesome about that. Like, and that's like yeah, the totally. most quotable line of the movie or like it was in the trailer i think too yeah um but that's all my freaks and like nerdy stuff you got anything else there's not nothing like crazy with camera angles it's not like uh crazy no I, I think i think he might have been tied down with the cinematography it's tough to yeah. have a wes anderson very <laughs> indie looking movie when you're doing a big budget like marvel yeah i had a good laugh at the willy wonka reference that they had as he's going through his <laughs> his chair ride to meet the, yeah. the grand master. Yeah. I think that was fun. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, let's go to category seven. This is the Brad Pitt award for the best quote. Um, the classic one we just mentioned was like, my friend from work. That's a good mm -hmm. one. Um, and then when Loki is in that weird uh, Dr. Strange scene and he's like, comes out of his Dr. Strange's little circles. He's just like, I've been falling for 30 minutes. Yeah. It's like hilarious. I don't know. I 
it's just how he delivers it is, is, is really funny. But like on paper, it's just like, it's just like a normal line. Um, mm. And the last one I have is just this Korg monologue. It's so funny. He's like, allow me to introduce myself. My name is Korg. I'm kind of like the leader in here. I'm made of rocks, as you can see. But don't let that, but don't let that intimidate you. You don't need to be afraid unless you're made of scissors. Just like just a little rock, paper, scissors joke for you. <laughs> it's like, what? <laughs> so good, man. Yeah. And that's Petiti, right? I'm pr- right? Yeah. 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 yeah that's, that's his cameo. Yeah. And I mean, he, he's one of the guys that breaks up a lot of the, those emotional moments that would have weight. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think that I actually let it off the hook more often than I would for other characters and other other scripts and other directors because that dude is just so goddamn funny yeah when he's talking to thor about his hammer and it's like well i had this hammer well and he and he drops a uh what we do in the shadows reference right before with the three pronged (laughs) stakes it's like it's uh, not going to be very useful unless you have three vampires all clumped together (laughs) and he starts talking about his hammer yeah, I had this hammer and I'd spin it around. Oh, so you rode the hammer? No, 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 no. Oh, the hammer rode you. No, I'd spin it. It would pull me off the ground. Oh, my God, the hammer pulled you off. No, no, no. It sounds like you had an emotional connection with this hammer and losing it was akin to that of losing a loved one. And it's, it's this weird exposition that's telling, not showing. But at the same time, it's just, I, I give it a pass because it's so funny. Yeah. And he's just there a hundred percent of the time to make things hilarious when they're getting a little bit too emotional for a marvel movie too serious for a marvel movie he comes in and is like this is fun let's all take a (laughs) breath and relax yeah i love ytt for that yeah like yeah such do you have any other quotes or anything you're good to move on the loki quote that i mentioned earlier between him and banner where banner asks if he's (laughs) if he's killing people or if he's a friend now and he goes ah moment to moment depends on (laughs) how I'm feeling. And then the, that Odin quote to Thor, I think that's just so powerful. Yeah. Throwing yourself down in front of the father and begging for him to remove the suffering from you. And for him to say, it's not that it's not that you're not as strong as me. It's that you're far stronger. I think that that's just, it, it goes, that was one of the moments that actually let you feel it. Yeah. And I was gave me chills just beautiful i got, just quickly i guess like i know he's not like a major character in this movie he's more in like the first one but do you think anthony hopkins is also too qualified for this role like he's he's literally sir anthony hopkins and he's has like academy awards i think that he's too qualified as far as the writing would have let him down very mm-hmm. similar to my point about blanchette where if the writing would have given her material to work with and build upon i think that she would have been perfect for the role mm-hmm. but because the writing didn't give her enough to play with i think that it brought her down but i mean how many lines of writing does hopkins have in this whole movie maybe like maybe 12 to 15 yeah total lines and every single sentence that he has rings with beauty it's all about family and moving on and passing the torch and allowing for someone else to take up your mantle and be better than you. It reminds me of the Yoda quote from the rise of Skywalker, where mm-hmm. Luke is on his knees crying about how he 
let Ray down or something along mm -hmm. those lines. And Yoda says, it's the goal of the master for our apprentice to surpass us. And all of that kind of culminates in that Odin character for Hopkins. And yeah, yeah I, I think that he would have been overqualified if they didn't really respect that role and respect the writing that they gave him. Yeah, agreed. It's also like guys write guys have an easier time writing guy characters, I think. Totally. I absolutely yeah. agree. And yeah, you yeah. made that point earlier, and I, I totally agree with that. Mm -hmm. One of the it's it's funny so from a psychoanalytic perspective of talking about the spirit of the way that I watched earlier with the consuming mother and this Oedipus conflict of the mother not allowing for the child to leave. Mm -hmm. I think that spirit of the way did such a good job at writing that character. And it's, I think the, so the Hindu goddess is Kali, the consuming mother. Mm -hmm. And it's when the mother doesn't let you leave and does everything for you. And that consumes you over time. And yeah. it also consumes the mother. And I think that you're even able to take these archetypes and put them or superimpose a female character onto them and still have a good story. But I think that having a woman in the room not only makes it more believable and realistic for the male viewers, because it's an implicit association that we make where if something makes sense for women, it's also going to make sense for men on some kind of lower level. I mean, yeah. for every like, that's absolutely right that a woman says about a woman being portrayed in a role. A man has a little bit less of that and they go, okay, I think that that's right. And that gave me a little bit of a better insight into the women in my life. And I mean, and, and that's the goal, right? Is to flesh someone out in being so human that you actually question your preconceived notions about what humans are and what they do. And a good film will show you what you don't see in the mirror. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go to category eight is the blind pig award. So you're not from St. Albert. So like, let me just briefly explain to you the blind pig. It's like, or it, it was a bar, but it was like this bar on St. Albert trail, which is like basically just like the big trailer goes through straight through town. And it was on the corner of the busiest intersection in all of St. Albert. So it was like hectic to even get there, but it was this really shitty grungy. They never even cared to, to, to like take care of it. It was just like their thing. The weird crowds are there. Like, it's just the weirdest people there. And you go there. Everyone used to go there at the end of the night when every plan fell through. They're like, fuck, let's go to the blind pig, I guess. There's karaoke and we're all together. And there's this, they uh, serve this drink called jungle juice or some, some sort of thing like that. And it was just a bunch of alcohol in a pitcher. Yeah. It was like $10, but it got you just like a pretty drunk. So you just go there, have one of those and you're feeling good. So anyways, mm -hmm grungy rundown bar and then you wake up in the morning you're like i just can't believe i went there so who <clears throat> here are the three people i think would have a really good time there and i, I would want to hang out with them for just the one night and just i just never want to see them again mm -hmm. i think that it, idris alba's character would have a really good time there i think he'd have some really good stories but then i think mm -hmm. that he'd just be a little bit much for me not like idris alba i would love but like i'm just his character and yeah. then we haven't really talked about him yet but like jeff goldblum his character, the Grandmaster, is really fucking weird. Like, typical, typical, typical Goldblum character. Like, he was perfect in this movie, too. He's just really weird. I think he'd have a really good time there. I think he would be singing some weird songs. He'd have a good time. And then I think Korg would also have a good time. But I do not know if I could just hang out with a pile of rocks, like, constantly. I think I'd be like, okay, one night, bud. So, those are my three nominees. Do you have any other, anyone else you think would have a good time there? Any I was thinking, character? I was thinking the, the Grandmaster, Grand Wizard. 
Grandmaster. Um, I forget. Okay, yeah. Uh, I think Grand Wizard is a Klu Klux Klan title or something. <laughs> so not not that. Uh, the Grand Master, I think, would be hilarious. The fact that he has his orgy jet yeah. that shoots off fireworks for It's My Birthday. I mean, that's yeah. that's the kind of guy that you want to hang out with one night out of the year is the guy mm. that sets off his own birthday fireworks and screams to the world, it's my birthday. <laughs> That's a very specific person. Yeah. Idris Elba, I can, I can see him abusing his powers of sight a little bit. Mm. And kind of like how Loki shows up with uh, that giant ship at the end and says, and Idris Elba says, oh, I saw you coming. I think that I think that some weird stuff happens <laughs> with Idris Elba where you go to the bathroom or something, you're hooking up with someone and you go back to the the go back to the dance floor and Idris Elba whispers in your ear a little bit. He leans in. It's a little bit too close for comfort. I know. I saw that. I was it watching. Is, it is breath's kind of bad too. Like, yeah. What the hell? <laughs> like Idra, stop. I know that one dollar tequila shots look fun, but stop watching me. And then yeah, yeah Korg is like that's the guy that you want just telling stories all night. And yeah. He's also the guy that interrupts your stories with a brief joke <laughs> and you're okay with it. Like, yeah. That guy just actually made my story funnier and <laughs> I'm not even upset about it. Yeah. I think I think Goldblum is like the perfect character to bring to the the blind pig. Idris Elba yeah. too could like he might start a fight and you just don't like I don't want that at this bar. Like, <laughs> I'm just trying to sing karaoke, man. Mm-hmm. So I think, and Goldblum is just a weird dude and his character is just like, he's basically playing himself. I was going to say, Goldblum just plays himself in movies at this point. <laughs> yeah, which is totally fine. And he's just like, I, he does not care. I have yeah. one bit. Even Jurassic Park, which is pretty early in his career, he's playing himself. He reminds but, me of Bill Murray a little bit. Yeah, yeah, just like really weird dude. So yeah, um, I think the Grandmaster would be the best. So let's go to category nine. Is the Al Pacino Award for overacting. <laughs> Um, I actually didn't write anyone down. Like no one, I am really ham on this category. I always like pick on someone. I just rip someone. But like, like if I was to do the Kate Blanchett thing, it's not her fault that she's bad in this movie. It's it. We we we've talked about it. We beat the. We don't need to talk about that again. But I I generally don't think anyone is that like noticeably. Holy fuck, you're so bad in this movie. I don't know about you. If anything, I would give it to Blanchett. Yeah. But as we've talked about like a million times. <laughs> It's not her fault. It's, it's not, not her, her fault. Her fault. Yeah. It's not yeah. your fault, Kate. Yeah. <laughs> but I was like watching it today and I was like, okay, I'm going to, who's the guy that's just like, I got this, everybody. Here's my like five minutes of screen time. I'm going to really go for it. No one, like there's no one, like it's sad. Like I'm not, this award is my favorite award and like not even giving it to anyone. Even uh, who's, I don't know her name, but she's the New Zealand actor that was in the hunt for the wilder people as the social services personnel. And she's the grand wizards second in command. Yeah. I I, I, I could, she's really funny in the hunt for the wilder people because she's, she, she overacts a little bit, Mm -hmm. but she's almost a little bit manic. She's going a little bit crazy towards the end. Mm -hmm. And the way that YTT writes the character and directs it. And the way that she acts is just so perfect that, it's a little bit cringy in a really funny way. Yeah. They're, they're building up this sort of villain and she thinks that she's on the right side of history. <laughs> and she just keeps saying throughout the movie, no, no child left behind. 
yeah no child left behind <laughs> she's she, like she thinks that this kid is evil but the entire time she's like no child left behind i'm coming for you ricky baker and she might get a little bit close in ragnarok but she just does so well with the lines that she's given mm-hmm. that she's just this quirky weird individual that killed it i yeah. i loved her yeah um let's go to category 10 this is the mclovin award for the actor or actress who never misses in limited screen time 15 to 20 minutes of time so here are my three nominees mm-hmm. matt damon as like he's just in it for like you're like what the fuck matt damon's in this movie Taki Watiti, he's uh, as Korg, he's not in it that much, and I think he's awesome. And then the last, and Goldblum as the Grandmaster, who's not in it that much either. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to take out Matt Damon. That was more of a joke. Like he's literally, it's a joke that he's in this movie. And that it doesn't, usually that stuff would really drive me crazy that like Matt Damon, you're like an A list. Like you're an amazing, like you're like, you rack in money, anything you do, just because you're Matt Damon, get out of this movie, but he's, clearly making a mockery of himself in this movie and he's in it for like a minute maybe like that's that's honestly a lot of that's like overshooting i think he's in it for like 45 seconds so anyways it's between those two in my opinion i don't know if you got anyone else where where was matt damon in the movie he plays like loki in the loki you know the scene oh, where yeah you know that's that's awesome I didn't know that. That's hilarious. Really? Yeah, he's like playing Loki in the lo- in the in like the little skit. So I think I think I had heard that before, but I did not remember it. And that's mm-hmm. freaking awesome. Thanks for bringing that up. That's great. <laughs> I I've I've got to go, Korg. He yeah. He was he was there. I mean, we've talked about the breaking up the emotional versus the comedic and. YTT just does such a good job. And I, I have a friend from New Zealand and he's on my podcast quite a bit. And we talked about some pretty heavy, serious stuff, but he just makes me laugh all the time. <laughs> just the way that he pronounces stuff and just the jokes that he has, it's very, very dry, very punny. Mm-hmm. It just flows so well. It's a, it, it's very, it reminds me of Australian humor where, yeah, it doesn't have to have these big long setups or storytelling, but it's just this small joke that can make a kid laugh and can make an adult laugh, can make a grandparent laugh all yeah. the way up. Yeah. And I think YT just does that over and over and over again. Yeah. He's awesome in this movie. Um, yeah. Let's give it to him and let's take a quick break and we'll uh, come back for the Brooks Hatlin award and then finish up the pod. Sounds good. All right, we're back with category 11 is the Brooks Hatlin Award for how much jail time for somebody who has never seen this movie. So it's got to have context because if you're just not a big Marvel fan and you've never seen this, probably be like, all right, zero years, I guess. Like, I, you can't just watch it without watching like the 15 movies before. But if you're a Marvel fan and you've kept up and you're like, I'm just going to skip this one, then I would probably go like, you deserve a life sentence. So you're not really a Marvel fan. That's harsh, I know, but like you can't just skip it. It's not like the Thor Dark World where you can just literally skip it. This one you can't. Or else you would just be, I, I don't even know what you would think of the whole universe if you just skipped this movie. You'd be like, what the hell is happening? So I don't know. What, what do you think? 
Yeah, I'm a big fan of the Scandinavian prison system where a serial killer will go away for five to ten years and it's more about rehabilitation. Mm-hmm. I think if you're a Marvel fan and you haven't watched this at least before Infinity War and Endgame, I'm on the same. I'm going 25 to life. <laughs> yeah. I'm, like a, I'm a fan. I'm a fan of people getting out early, going on parole. It's for rehabilitation, not for punishment. But if you haven't seen this before going into Infinity War, and kind of as we were talking about earlier, this is the perfect segue into Infinity War because it sets the tone of suffering that goes on through Infinity War. Infinity War is a tragedy. Mm-hmm. It's not a comedy. And so watching this before, number one, you need it for the heel step of Infinity War. And it also just sets things up perfectly. And it sets Thor's character up perfectly for the end of Infinity War. And you understand what's going on rather than, I mean, he goes on an adventure with the Guardians to get his his new axe. I forget what it's yeah. called. Um, it's just like the... I don't know what it's called either, but it's just like basically Groot's arm and like a piece of metal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so he, he goes on this massive adventure. And yeah, if you don't have this going into Infinity War Endgame, then you're missing not only a huge part of the information for the world building and the character building, but you're also not going into with the emotion. Agreed. I think we would do like the Andy Dufresne thing in Shawshank. It's like two yeah. years back to back to back, man. Like, I don't know what's yeah. wrong with you. <laughs> it's also been, this movie came out in 2017. Like there's no, it's not even like the, Oh, it's only been out for like a week or two. It's been out yeah. for a year. There's like streaming platforms and all Yeah, No, no excuses. Yeah. Uh, for, for Cap- Ragnarok's out there. You better get busy living. Watch yep. it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, category number 12 is scenes you wish you saw. I don't know about, I think this movie is like a little long, to be honest. Like, I think it's like 10 minutes too long. We didn't, I didn't even talk about it in cringe moments. I'm the biggest strickler for the length of movies. Like, I always go hard on those. Yeah. I can't believe I had to bring it up. But anyways, I don't think you can add any more scenes because it's it's just, this movie doesn't need to be like two and a half hours. It's Marvel. It's just, you need to mm-hmm. like end it. But I do agree with the, what you were talking about. Just like let moments hang a little bit longer or just... Mm-hmm change some scenes i don't know if i want a new scene i just want like to go back and hey can we change this scene a bit same length and stuff but let's let this emotional thing hang a little bit longer like i totally i never really thought about it until you brought it up and i like i completely agree so unless you have any other scenes you like really really wish you saw no i totally agree that the runtime was good i thought the storyboard looks i think i think the storyboard looks great i don't think there's anything that i would change in terms of the way events are set up or the way that events play out mm-hmm I would really love to see a culmination of Thor versus Hela, where he actually overcomes his older sister and this girl that destroyed his hammer and beat him up. And Serta is interesting as well. I would hope that they would tweak that a little bit. And mm-hmm. another thing that I wish I would have seen was more character development in terms of Hela, which we've talked about a lot as well. Yeah, agreed. I just don't know how they would they'd have to get rid of stuff because I don't think you could add like 10 minutes of just character development, hella stuff, because then it'd be two hours and 20 minutes and it's pushing. And it's, I think, I think they used a lot of time building hell up as just pure evil. Whereas I think if they would have made her a more sympathetic character and Mm -hmm. I think, like you said, I think bringing a woman into the writing room for that to have a say in the discussion about where hella was, where her motivations come from rather than her just being pure evil, which I mean, they do all the time. 
but I think that they really hit on a chord with Thanos. People loved Thanos. People really bought into the Marvel saga because yeah. of Thanos. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I totally agree. Like, just moments, not necessarily actual scenes. Totally. Uh, category 13 is the elevator pitch, where we pitch each other a prequel or a sequel to this movie. Don't, like, I don't know. I feel like you can't really with Marvel. There is so many. There is the prequels to this movie. There is a sequel now to this movie. There is the spinoff Loki. Like, I can't even do the whole, would you watch this as, like, an HBO series kind of thing. <laughs> like, yeah. Would you watch? Would you watch like if they broke up Ragnarok into a TV show? Do you think that'd be weird? I don't know if there's enough content. Kind of as we said, if like the yeah. storyboard is in the right place, where I don't think that we missed out on anything. I don't think there's anything that I really wanted more. Yeah. Maybe you could trim a little bit of the fat off of it, even. Mm-hmm. But I really love the idea of making TV shows rather than films, because especially if the writing is solid. I mean, Chernobyl is a good example of that, where. Mm-hmm. You can have a Chernobyl movie that's two hours, three hours. But if you get six to eight hours of world building and character development, and it's a drama rather than a fast-paced action, oh man, you're you're singing. Yeah. So much fun. So I don't think that Ragnarok is something that warrants a TV show. Maybe if they were to do a full-scale Thor series rather than a movie trilogy. I mean, I yeah. guess they could do that with a lot of characters just as they did with Loki rather than getting a Loki movie. It's okay. Now Loki gets a show or rather than Loki getting two or three movies spaced out over six years. It's okay. We're not sure what Tom Hiddleston is going to do over the next five years. Maybe he's going to want out. Maybe he's going to want to get into more drama, do other things. Let's just start making TV shows and yeah. they're all going to the same place. I mean, the cinema has been dead for a while and mm-hmm. I hope that comes back because Joseph Campbell talks about that being one of the contemporary religious experiences. You're going to this wor- this place of worship. It's essentially mm-hmm. an altar where you get to observe art and beauty. And now it's just streaming service where you maybe throw in some popcorn and sit down on the <laughs> couch and binge eight hours of a show on Sunday. Exactly. Yeah. I agree. Like, I hope that movie theaters, like I'll always support the movie theaters. I always go to them. I continue to go to them, but I just hope that it doesn't, die i guess yeah yeah but um category 14 is would you watch this as a broadway musical absolutely i would watch <laughs> almost anything as a broadway musical i think that I would... almost anything could be converted into a broadway musical <laughs> and i would just love to see how they would convert this what they would do who they would cast where i think that would be a ton of fun i'm a big supporter of taking big steps and Mm-hmm. reimagining things well well hiddleston's like a huge broadway guy like he's that's what he prefers to do actually is oh, play sweet so you could just recast him as loki i'm sure he could all these actors now can sing if yeah. they like they, they they're trained vocalists as well so like singing like and they're also this is like their full-time job just figure it out man i guess yeah so yeah cast loki he'll figure it out or sorry cast hiddleston as loki he'll figure it out it would just be interesting to see how they would do, like, how would they do uh, um, some of the characters? Like, how would they do Korg? Like, how would you make this guy a big rock creature? Or, like, who would they cut out? Or who, like, where would you sing the big typical ballad? Like, in a, mm-hmm. like, I don't know. Like, for example, I always use the example, like, in Little Mermaid, 
there's the classic ballad of Ariel singing the song Part of Your World. And you just that song is strictly character development song. There's always a ballad character development song in every good Broadway musical or any movie musical. Like when's where's Thor gonna have his big ballad about he feels sad or like, like right after right before he talks to his dad or after he talks to his dad in that one scene, I guess he could put it there, but just be, it would be interesting to see Marvel put on Broadway. Well, I can imagine the Odin characters having this booming, beautiful, <laughs> old style Italian voice yeah. where he's singing opera style <laughs> and lifted up on this rock and Thor's down <laughs> on the ground on his knees. I, yeah. I, I think it would be, I think it would be fun to watch. I think if, uh, it were handled properly i think it would just be a ton of fun not sure how yeah. good, good it would be but i think it would be fun it'd be fun yeah category 15 is the schindler's list to super bad rewatchability scale with schindler's list being one of the greatest movies that i've ever seen but i'll, I'll never watch it again to super bad being a 10 out of 10 movie that i've watched over and over again and i'll continue to do it where would you put thor ragnarok on the scale of like zero to ten for you personally Somewhere. So you mentioned Schindler's List. My imagination or my thought process immediately goes to The Pianist, an <laughs> yeah. amazing movie. And so I'm thinking somewhere between The Pianist and Lord of the Rings, something that I'm not going to watch a million times. And I think those are a little bit further inside of Schindler's List and Superbad. So just a, specifying it, maybe one little iota, a very small margin, but. <laughs> Probably never going to watch The Pianist again, even though it, was, it, it could be up there on some of the greatest movies I've ever seen. Lord of the Rings, I used, like I said, I used to stay home from school yeah. one to five times a year just to mm-hmm. watch it and fake yeah. sick. So somewhere between there, I think it's rewatchable, especially in Marvel, if you're going to watch the... If I were to pick out the greatest Marvel movies from the Iron Man to Endgame phase, I would put it in there definitely yeah yeah i i think it's like a good six or seven because i've watched the marvel movies like a lot in my life and I, there's like five or maybe five that come to mind before thor mm-hmm. so that's where it loses it a little bit for me but it's not like it's not near schindler's list or anything it's not like i'm never gonna watch it again yeah yeah so like, have you seen have you seen that movie yeah it's just yeah, I like watched, i watched it in high school and my i remember my professor weeping and then i started to weep with him <laughs> Yeah, it's it's like, oof. but yeah. So yeah, I think it's like in the six or seven range. If I put it there, I think I'll, I'll like continue to watch it. Obviously, it's part of this. It's part of this bigger world that I'm clearly involved in, and clearly going to get my kids involved in. Or it'll be interesting to show like our children, or like, or even our grandchildren. These this like phenomenon. It's guess it's like my parents showing me Star Wars, and then I remember the first time I watched Star Wars, I was like, "That's it," and they were like, "What?" And I was like, "I don't know." I was like five. Like, I don't know how am I supposed to get... Th- you also showed me New Hope. This movie's really fucking boring. <laughs> so, but anyways, yeah. I think it would be crazy to show our kids and grandchildren this whole thing that we grew up on. Especially, mm-hmm. I think it, this... Marvel is perfect for our age because we started Iron Man when we were nine or ten-ish. Like, it's perfect. Like, we grew up yeah. with these... Yeah, so... I think that's a big part of it as well is the amount of time committed to the franchise. So, I mean, Star Wars was coming out and it was the biggest thing in the entire world as Empire mm-hmm. and the Re- Return of the Jedi. Yep. As those were coming out, those were 
some of the biggest films. And I think that we actually lose a little bit of the hype because of how we interact and interface on media where mm-hmm. I can just go on and buy a ticket and I can reserve a ticket for opening day mm-hmm. and it's not a huge deal. Whereas I would love to go and cosplay and camp in, out front of a theater for days. I mean, my, my friends and I wanted to do that for Joker, but yeah. there was just no point because you just reserve a ticket. People are just going to mm-hmm. reserve a ticket. Whereas yeah. if there's a box office and you actually have to go and get it, I mean, that's what Star Wars was to people. Star Wars, mm-hmm. it wasn't a movie. It wasn't a film. That was a religion. That was an experience. Yeah. That was something that you're getting together with the people that you love. And have you ever seen, I think it's called Fanboys? Yep. Yeah, yeah. I've seen Fanboys. The, yeah. Where they, the, the three best friends go and break into Lucas Ranch. I mean, that's, that's like, I'm sure that that, would have happened or i'm sure that people talked about that like, how do we how do we get this movie how do we watch this movie yeah Whereas now I, I don't think that there's as much of that because of the immediate accessibility to so much media yeah but i think if that were a thing and i i kind of agree with you that the way that your parents maybe saw or the way that you saw star wars from your parents is the way that our kids are going to see the infinity saga from us because they're yeah we're going to show it to them and there's going to be the snap and they're just going to go right to the next film yeah Where we had to, to sit there yeah we had to sit there for a year and go how are they going to resolve this what are they yeah. going to do this is unbelievable this is insane i might make my kids wait a year after every single movie and be like nope you gotta you gotta experience the real you gotta think about it for, i guess but they'll just go on social media and find it themselves <laughs> so maybe not <laughs> um but let's go to the last category is category 16 the mvp of the movie whether that be an actor, an actress, director, cinematography, screenplay writer, producer, whatever. Um, here are my three nominees. Mm-hmm. Uh, Watiti, he directed it, and he, he did some acting in it too. Um, yeah. Hemsworth changed his career. Um, as much as Watiti influenced that and like put um, got him on the right track, it's, it's kind of like the whole coach and player thing. The player still has to do it, so he mm-hmm. still did it. And then uh, – I don't think he wins, but like you have to nominate a th- like when they do MVPs in sports, there's always three people nominated. So I'm just going to nominate Ruffalo. Don't really think there's a case for him to win, but like he deserves to be nominated. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are my three nominees. Do you have anyone else you want to bring into the race or do you want to like debate? I would bring Middleston in actually. I think that he played one of the most serious roles as comedic relief. I mean, the character of Loki is meant to be a trickster. He's meant to be someone that is consistently playing both sides of the coin while making fun of everyone around him the people that he loves the people that he hates even himself that's what a good trickster does Mm -hmm. is he's both the trickster and the fool so he's the he's he's the beginning of the hero's journey and i guess that's kind of what happens very quickly in infinity wars he his hero's journey is it culminates because he almost can't take those two movies apart i mean you see how Thor calls Loki out on his bullshit at the end of Ragnarok and then at the beginning of Infinity War Loki actually steps up and makes an attempt to redeem himself and he suffers for that he dies for that so I think that he is actually ironically paradoxically maybe he is the serious note in a comedy where he's meant to actually be the comedic relief and even the, the one of your favorite lines where he says, I've been falling for 40 minutes. Mm-hmm. 
he delivers that and it's funny, but at the same time, he's serious when he delivers that, like he's yelling that he's angry yeah. <laughs> and it, it comes at the back of this entire scene with strange and Thor where it's all joking mm-hmm. and it's, it's meant to be a little bit serious, but they're joking. Strange is messing with Thor. Thor messes with strange by destroying his house while he's calling yeah. Mjolnir back. And then Loki comes down and brings gravitas to the scene and concludes the scene with seriousness so mm-hmm. I would I would put Middleson in there as well, just because of how irregular he is. Yeah. Irregular that role is. So do you think what TT wins or Hemsworth? Like who do you think? I would say YTT. Yeah, and I, I agree. Like, I'm I'm totally biased because I love almost anything that he's touched. I think that he's a really good writer. I think that his cinematography is awesome when he has the the ranger let loose. Mm-hmm. I think that his acting is awesome. He really breaks up with comedy. We've talked about that a ton. The the direction that he gave the Hemsworth to just be funny, just be himself and ad lib a bunch of stuff. And at the same time, this is kind of what I talked to Mickey about. God, I love Mickey. Anytime he's on your show, I have to watch because I just love, I love talking to Mickey. I love hearing Mickey talk. I think he's just the funnest guy in the world. And him and I talked about Thor and what this meant in the context of things. And we've talked about it a lot connecting to Infinity War. And Ragnarok also goes back where there are two almost indisputably failed movies for one of the greatest characters in the Marvel cinematic and comic universe. And he, the guy hits a home run. Yeah. I mean, he, two, there are two films that strike out and this guy comes in and hits the home run that leads you into the World Cup. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I agree with like what T- like I could make the Hemsworth case and stuff. Like if I really was like really feeling the devil's advocate mood today, but I just think mm-hmm. it's with TT and you have to have the good director to to see a movie through like this, and especially just how like you just said like how just horribly bad the first two are. Like this movie is just so much better. So, um, but yeah, like I totally agree, but I guess that's the end of the pod. And I, uh, thanks for coming on, dude. Thanks a ton, man. You are awesome. I love what you're doing with the show. I, I love the way that you handle things, the way that you run things, the questions you ask, the, the spins you put onto things. I think it makes people think, and we, we need a lot of that in the world. So thanks a lot for what you do, man. I really appreciate it. I appreciate it, man. I'm sure we'll we'll have to do this again and check out them. Maybe have like me, you, and Mickey do three do that talk oh, about something. That, that that'll be a conversation that last a few hours. You got to book some time out for that. that would be awesome. I would absolutely yeah. love to do that. Um. So yeah, as I do, I'm just gonna leave uh, the listeners with a quote for ne- uh, for next week's movie. I'm taking a week off here. I'm pretty busy, but I'm gonna do next week's movie. I'm gonna bang out a couple movies here in a couple weeks. So uh, here's my next movie that I'm gonna do. <clears throat> The kid is an L7 weenie. Okay, thanks everyone for tuning in to What's in the Pod, and uh, see you next time. Bye.